This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh, the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast from an expert and a newbie's perspective where we look at horror films, classic and modern alike. I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. Um, And today, Steve, we are talking about the 2014 horror thriller It Follows, directed by David Robert Mitchell. Yes, I, I believe about three years ago, absolutely everybody was talking about this movie. Oh, yeah. And I kind of uh, just kind of brushed away the hype for most of it. I didn't okay. really care because horror movies weren't really my thing. And, you know, I only assumed that horror movies could only be so good or only be so revolutionary in this day and age of 2014 or 2015. And. Lo and behold, this is pretty damn impressive for a movie. I gotta say, yeah, it really, it really is. I, I was genuinely surprised by this film because, yes, at the time there was a ton of hype going on around it, which is why I didn't see it immediately when it came out. Um, you know, as I've said before, I think in the in the last episode about there being so much hype on a lot of these modern horror films and a lot of them not living up to said hype. So I wanted to distance myself from this film a little bit before I ended up seeing it because I didn't want to be disappointed. The only disappointment I had was not seeing it immediately after it came out. It was that good. It's that much... F- I mean, it's it's a fun movie in a weird... in a, in a scary, uh, very contained story, but a, a contained story that could expand out into a larger universe, but doesn't have to. And I think, like... That shows that it is a very versatile story as well. Yeah. And from what I can recall from the hype coming into this movie way back in the day was, well, way back in the day, it was three years ago. Way back in the day when everybody was talking about It Follows, they were basically praising the simple idea, the very simple and effective premise of what this monster or this thing is. Uh, that keeps following these people, or uh, in our in this case, our main character. It's it's a very interesting take on a lot of like I guess you could say a monster uh, or creatures that take a very simple thing and play with the sort of tropes of horror that we've all come to expect, where you know the killer can somehow always find their victim or always has some way of getting to them in an inexplicable way where that is the entire premise of this monster. And uh, before getting into the direct plot, it's the use of something always following you, no matter how far away you may be or however resourceful you may be in getting away from it, it will always find its way to you. And that's a very, it's very metaphorical. It's very, I guess, poetic almost in a little bit, but you could almost make a good case for this making, you know, the most simple horror trope the best use of it. Yeah, it really is. Well, there's a couple of horror tropes that go into it, and one of the main ones is, um, you know, a lot of these horror films in the 80s had that moral, a lot of morals to them, where if you broke any of the basic rules, um, uh, you know, having sex, doing drugs, drinking, you would die. And in this one, it's if you have sex, you will die. I mean, the caveat on that is, okay, well, if you if you pass it on to somebody else, you can keep this curse going for however long, but it will always, it'll always come back to you one way or another, unless someone keeps this thing going, it'll always come back to you. Uh, and that, I think, is what makes it so terrifying. And, and David Robert Mitchell, where, when he came up with this film, it was based on a childhood fear of something always following him and never being able to outrun it. And then he added in the sexual element later on uh, when he decided to write the script back in 2011. So it's really interesting 
to see how something can stem from something as basic as a childhood fear of of a monster or, or thing following you around and the idea that this can look like anybody at any time is someone you know someone you love or a complete stranger means you're never safe there's never that feeling of oh i've passed this on to someone else i must be safe there's always that feeling of did it catch up with that person did it kill that person and now is it coming after me right and even establishing the most basic form of rules, if you want to call them, for this creature, like, it only really has, like, one or two. And the rest is up to this sort of, like, real mystery of it being unexplained, but you don't really need it to be explained. And But, like, just before getting into, like, what actually goes down, because the, the story is actually very simple, almost to a fault. Um, but I think that the best thing that this movie has going for it is its tone. Uh, and we're going to get into that like the most probably during the middle halves of this of this movie. But I think tone is like the absolute key here because outside of this thing following these people, this isn't exactly a horror movie in the most direct sense. I think it's more of a throwback to a Hitchcockian style horror. So it's a slow burn. Um, right, and it incorporates a few of those elements of horror that we have like come to know about. Very, very few. It just peppers them in. Right, and it, it has a feel, before we go into a plot, a few more things. Like It has a feel of a timeless horror film when you watch it, and the only thing that actually dates it to be modern uh, is the girl's compact, which is actually kind of like a Kindle device that is insane by the way i was like racking my brain because i could not for the life of me pinpoint when this movie is supposed to take place that's what's amazing about it because everything aesthetically about this movie that what's going on like i could place it in like late 80s early 90s but then i see cell phones and i see this like kindle uh, compact mirror thing that looks like insane and like that completely throws me for a loop which I don't really know if that's necessary or I don't know I, why I kinda, that needed I to like be there. It because, I like it because stuff really isn't thrown in your face. Yes, there kind of is a time dated on it. I think this will go down as a classic that has a timeless feel to it in the way that Rosemary's Baby has a timeless feel to it but you can still you can kind of date the film but at the same time it could be a modern a modern film with an older aesthetic especially with the way things are nowadays where people are embracing those older aesthetics especially with a film like this because it does have a pure 19 late 1970s early 80s feel to it the music is fantastic oh my uh, god music, straight out of the john carpenter playbook but and it's it's all done by possible. it's all done by disaster piece so it's consistent throughout which is great and that's something that i really like about these indie films and this one cost a million dollars or about a million to two million to make I th- um and it was done in michigan because of tax incentives so it's a really small film but it has a larger feel production wise it, it does. It seems very glossy. It reminded me a little bit of like a Nicholas Wending Riffin movie. It's like very polished, very uh, intentional, very uh, aware of what it's doing and very blatant in its style. Because this movie has a style and it's kind of emulating this modern, chic looking 1970s kind of look where you have these amazing sort of camera angles, but they're all sort of placed and hunkered down, and it's very, like, borderline 360 pans and... Uh, oh, man, cut, the, like the very, long shots, very, yeah. The long very, shots very and the pans good. are... Well, they did a wide-angle lens on it, too, to make it have that larger feel. So it gave more of this grand scope to what's going on, and the subtle... There's a lot of stuff that's peppered in the background. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Let's actually, you know, we've talked about a lot of this other stuff without actually getting into the plot. So let's kind of dive a little bit in there. This film starts off with a girl running out of her house. And this is where we get a lot of the good pans in the beginning. So it's it's kind of revving us up for this. All right, this is going to be kind of a slow burn because it's not just jump cuts. They're taking their time with the with these camera moves and letting you be part of this world so she's running out of her house freaking out 
she goes back in her dad sees her she gets keys she gets in her car she drives to the beach and you know she calls her parents and to kind of just be like hey i'm so sorry about everything i love you guys and you're like what the hell is going on and she's sitting with her back to the water and just kind of staring out and then boom just cuts to an image of her dead and her leg just kicked and snapped all the way backwards that's the only gruesome really part of this but i think it's that simplicity of just a ripped back shattered out leg that makes it seem way more gruesome and brutal um than it is if you actually just freeze frame and look at it you're like that is pretty horrific but the feel and tension that you got from that scene makes it seem much worse Right, exactly. And it, it very much doesn't even show its hand with what this creature wants or is supposed to do to Or what this, it is in the beginning. Victim, we don't even know what yeah, this what is right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even, like, we, we would expect this sort of reveal in the late game of this shape-shifting being, like, appearing to somebody only as uh, the person that it, that is, I guess, infected by it, you could say to someone they either recognize or some sort of imagery that they know of or can trust. Like, it's a very, very alarming type of thing. Like, God bless the extras that they got to play this thing because almost every single one of them has an amazing look about them that just is terrifying. Yeah, that comes down to, you know, good acting and, and really good direction so that they were able to pull off those performances. And that's that's why this film really does stand out with amazing i would say a very great script and very great direction and fantastic cinematography actually i think i think it's an all-encompassing thing um but we delve into this a little deeper now it turns out uh this this movie takes place in detroit like the suburbs of detroit which is interesting because i've never been to detroit um but, you know, you always get this terrible image of it just from what you see in movies and things like that. But I, I thought this had a really cool look to it. Um, and I want to actually go visit Detroit now because of this movie. Um, I mean, I, I could still easily stay away from it. I could still pass on Detroit, you might say. Uh, well, didn't okay, exactly if we look like the most quaint American town. It, it, it had a cool it had a cool feel to it. And I think it worked for this film especially um and, and especially a little later when we get to that house it all made sense to me where i'm like oh it does it does work in for the times as well because of the housing crisis and all those abandoned houses uh that were that were around there and we find out about one of those later but uh we get introduced to jay and she is on a date with her boyfriend hugh and everything seems to be going pretty well between the two and they go off and have sex in his car and then he chloroforms her and you're like dude what why would you yeah that, why that, would you that's do insane that? well before then we get like this very uh interesting little scene in a movie theater where he just kind of like points at like this one girl that he sees in a dress and he's like uh i'd like to switch places with her or would you like to switch places with her and he's like i don't see anybody Oh yeah, yeah. Because this is this is where the, yeah, this is where all the the weirdness kind of starts. But it is it's kind of treated as an offhand thing. Um, yeah, it's like who would you be? Who would you switch places if you could switch places with anyone? And yeah, they he wanted to be the kid because he was like, I just want to uh, you know have a future and live my life over again type thing. So it's a little ominous there where you're like. Yeah, it's a little it's a little telling not overly done. So they're not pulling the camera in on his face and, and doing a big dramatic reveal It's very subtle and I like that because it made it feel like a real human emotion, which this film is filled with um, But as we get a little further into it uh, He's like all right, I'm gonna guess who yours is I'm gonna guess it's that girl with the yellow dress in the back Yeah, and she's like there's no girl with the yellow dress. And he's like, yeah, I don't feel well. Let's just go yeah, uh, that's and and like that. That's where we start to get the beginning of the mystery. But like again, they have sex and he just chloroforms her. Yeah, and which which you're like, dude, what? Why would you? Why would you do that? You immediately like sets off red flags of like what is going on? Major here? red flags, so, man. Because so I didn't know what was going to end up happening. The first time I saw this, I was like, what the what the hell is going on? And the only images that I had really seen in this film was Jay tied up in that wheelchair um that was that's one of the biggest scenes that you see when they do promotional materials for this so i'm like what the hell are we getting into um 
So then you see her there, and he's like, yeah, okay, by the way, um, I gave you this thing. It's basically like, like an STD curse. Yeah, and he is basically, he has tied her down to show her this thing following her. Uh, not only, like, uh, in the, this, like, this is pretty much the biggest indictment that this movie gives to uh, this guy that basically infects her to show her that this curse is going to happen only to get rid of it himself or what he thinks is to get rid of it himself and show her that this is what you need to do to defend yourself against it now. Uh, and already there we have a lot to unpack metaphorically. So messed and, up, man. Uh, so, so messed, messed up. up. So, so, so messed up. So it's basic, like it sets up the rules for this thing before, uh, bef- before things get going. So it's, uh, it'll always find you. It's slow, but it's not dumb. Uh, and don't let it touch you. Yeah, and the the craziest thing about this, too, is that he had already passed it on to that girl in the beginning of the movie. Right. And she ends up getting killed. So now there's this extra level of desperation with him when he's telling Jay about it, because I guess he's already gone through this situation, or maybe he didn't even know that he got it. But there's a history there, which is interesting that we never really delve into, but I kind of want to know more about him and everything that, that went on. Um to to go a little further into it but yeah once he once he lets her know about this and she sees this naked woman walking towards her and it's very it is a very disturbing scene uh she is just thrown out of his not thrown out of his car but essentially thrown out of his car and left on the side of the road like which, basically like battered and shook in what you would what? expect to be a, a stereotypical date rape and it in a way was but but it, it I mean, wasn't because it was there was consensual sex and that was that was the part where it was like awesome but he didn't tell her that he was cursing her with this std type curse where she has to then pass it on also he chloroformed her and tied her up so it's basically it, it's yeah there's a, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with this it's, it's, there's, there's a, a lot, lot to unpack impl- yeah, it, there's it's, a lot implied with uh, like uh, abuse and right. uh, a lot of other like very unpleasant things that are very real uh, that happen to not only young people but people of uh, all ages. And it's this beginning uh, starts off on a very scary. Uh, yeah, predatory foot. Yeah, it's a tough thing with this movie too because you're like, man, this guy is really shitty for doing this. I hope he gets what's coming to him, and then you realize, well, that probably can't happen. I mean, it could in a different way, but as far as this thing getting him, it can't unless it now goes through her. So there's that little catch twenty two right there where you're like, man, I hate this guy. I really hope something else terrible happens to him, but then I feel like it would take away from the impact of what this it type creature is coming after people because that seems like the real embodiment of death more so than death in the way that it normally works it's also it could also be an embodiment of guilt of shame of uh like you know uh, repression so many things this thing could symbolize let alone actually be uh, it, it's it's so good because it doesn't tell us anything and it leaves us up for interpretation. But when you give us these many things, there's only a few ways that you can. And boy, does it hit it on the head. Um, but let's get to uh, how she begins to deal with this problem. So and she probably she's first- dealing with it with her her old or her sister Kelly and their friends, uh, or, you know, Paul and Yara. So they're all going to spend some time together. And, you know, basically Jay's freaking out, thinking that this thing's coming after her. I think at this point she's seen a few people or something, and they keep trying to move around. Like, I, I know that, you know, she's freaking out still. I remember that. Okay, so she's freaking out, thinking that someone's still going to come after her, and everyone's like, no, everything's okay. Her friends, her sister are like, look, there's, there's, there's nothing going on. Window gets broken. They investigate. They can't find anything. 
But Jay goes downstairs and sees this half-naked woman who has pissed herself, like still pissing herself and moving towards her. And it is a horrifying scene and a horrifying moment because the way when I was watching it, I had thought, all right, man, it's been enough time that if this thing had come through the house, it would have caught up to her by now. So it's kind of a slow burn. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You're like, well, I'm going to see what a naked person again or someone else coming after him. But seeing it looked like she had busted out teeth as well or something. It was just really a horrific, a horrific scene of her yeah, moving towards seem- her. It's it's seemingly like random types of people. Sure, yeah, and that, think. And, and that's what's that makes kind you of extrapolate. It makes you extrapolate in your head what, why is it taking these certain shapes? Why is it ta- making it look like these certain types of people? And it, like along with all of the things that like this thing could have been, is it taking the shapes of all the people that had had it before? Of the Ooh, things dude, then it gets it gets super dicey because. You say that, you say that, and as you were, I was thinking about that, but there's a kid at one point, and then I know, like it's right, and then you get into the reality of how fucked up people really are, and then it becomes that much darker of a film, right? And it it will, and that again, it's all implication. It's not none of this is thoroughly explained. Like no, 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 you all have to go by this. Um, There's there's a lot of stuff that's actually not explained in this, and I. I, Actually, I'd say almost everything isn't really explained. They explain, all right, this thing comes after you. And as you said, there's only a couple of rules. And the rest is, yeah, figuring figuring it out as you go along, which makes this film very perfect for a sequel. I don't think it's 100% necessary for that. But before we even get into the idea of a sequel, um, yeah, she goes, uh, Jay goes upstairs. She's freaking out. She closes the door. There's a knock on the door. Yara has woken up and is like, hey, guys, what's going on? Because you see her standing there at first, and you're like, okay, is she going to say anything? And she finally talks, and you're like, all right, so she's normal. And then this giant dude just enters into the bedroom. Yes, this tall, lanky, Oh, my God. Like, this dude's like seven, eyes, seven and a half feet tall or something. Crazy just... scary. Essentially Slender Man. I'd say one of the hiccups, actually, in the plot and the overall story which again it's very simple uh it's basically small moment to moment character interactions mixed with this thing catching up with them and then figuring out what they're going to have to do with this in a very sort of deadpanny almost deadpanny type of way but it's the willingness at which her friends are willing to go along with all of this almost from the get go is again another good metaphor for uh this type of like abuse and shock that goes on where they're like they're all just there for her because they know how messed up she was just getting this thing and that alone was like it's a it's a big big downer to see all of your friends kind of rally around you just to help you through this one traumatic thing and and there's more they don't even really understand so there's more to it than that as well because you know there's a couple of things in her backstory so we know that Her father, I think, has died because we see a picture of the family and we see him, but we don't or we see the image or the picture of him. And then we see that the mother, we never actually see her face, but is an alcoholic and taking a bunch of pills or something because we see her passed out on her bed and there's the wine and, and some other stuff nearby. So we know that this has become a common thing and she's not around. They even mention, hey, where's your mom? Oh, she's asleep already. So I'm assuming they've had a lot of trauma going on in their life already. So they might be thinking that Jay's having a breakdown because of the death of her father. I think that they're in, you know, that that also adds another layer to this without having to throw it in people's faces, which I think is great, which is why we can actually talk about this small stuff to kind of figure out everything that's going on in this world. Um so we can kind of realize, okay, maybe her friends are thinking that, and her sister's thinking this has to deal with other personal trauma in the beginning until, um, as she freaks out and runs out of her house, her neighbor, Greg, who she had, um, dated, I guess, years ago, they were friends before, you know, things got different between the two and they kind of split off. We get a little of a backstory on that, which is, which is great. Um, he ends up, 
like chasing them out into the woods or she runs out into the woods her friends find her and then he ends up coming out there to this park and then is like all right well you got to get away cool let me get my car and they're gonna go over to his parents lake house um to try and get away as far as they can and i love oh man i love the scene that happens when they finally do get to the lake house but before they even get there they're trying to figure out who this guy is right so they're trying to figure out like who this dude hugh is and they find out that his name is Jeff Richmond, and they trace him back to a different address. Uh, they yeah, because clearly he was in hiding, and like he wants to get far th- as far away from the last person he gave it to as possible, like a fucking asshole. And one of the greatest moments of this, and I don't know if you realized it, but they go to the school to check out his records. You pass, as the camera's panning by, you see someone dressed, I think, in white walking towards the building, and you see him only for a second. They're the only person that's really walking directly towards yeah, the building, it's an, but they're fading. Another out. one of those 360 pans around. And then you see her, and and you see, you see uh, Jay and Greg inside of the office trying to get the records, the school records, and then you see them driving off in the car, and as they're driving off, that person in white is walking. Or as they're driving towards the per, this person is in white walking towards them, and that's it. It is following them because it was walking towards them as they were in there. But it's a small, little, tiny blink and you miss it thing, and it's so much of this in the film that I love. So I, that's what I think makes this film, um, as as amazing as a as it is as a whole is because there's so many layers to it that it needs repeat viewings exactly and this isn't even gotten to the point where we see somebody like when we see it get somebody it's more of just the creepy image of just somebody walking straight towards someone in just a little bit of an off-kilter way but just very like pointed and determined and like deadpan walking right to you it's so effective. I didn't even know how effective it could be until you just like you put that like creepy synth in front of somebody and then they're just walking towards you. It like all of the implications of what it could be awesome. Absolutely love it. And then they get to the lake house. Oh man. And yeah, so Greg teaches Jay to shoot a gun and which is which is cool. You know, you get that small little scene, but then they're all hanging out over at uh by the like by the lake, right? So we see uh, Yara walking towards them and you're like, all right, who the hell is that? You think it's the creature at first. You think it's the it coming towards me. You're like, oh my God, oh my God. And then you see all of the other friends and you still don't see Yara yet. And it's getting closer and you're like, holy crap, that's okay. That's Yara. Everything must be fine. They must've just come from down, down from the house. And then all of a sudden you see Yara in the water paddling by and her, in her little floaty and then you're just like holy shit it's right behind her and now it looks like someone she knows and then you're wondering kind of what's gonna you know what's gonna happen at this point and her friends see it her friends well they don't see it but they see it lifting her hair and pulling her up off the ground and that that to me is an amazing moment where they actually are showing what is happening kind of through the eyes of everyone else. Um, yeah, and that it's completely invisible. It's entirely invisible and uh, is a tangible physical thing, not just some sort of force or. Uh, yeah, Paul finds that out the hard way. Yeah, exactly. The very hard way. Paul tries to attack it and then is basically just thrown across yeah thrown uh, across after it like breaks a chair on its back in like what seemingly looks like midair uh, yeah and it, it did not it was well it was it was unfazed by that but then yeah just slung him way far probably like 10 15 feet and you get to see he's got pretty bad bruising underneath um right. so it is real you know you know that this thing is there this isn't all in their heads like they know stuff is actually going on mm-hmm. um and then this this really tense moment of jay with the gun shooting out um as as greg Into is like seemingly nothing from what right as greg is getting there because you know he went to the bathroom he's coming back and it's just this this insane moment and yeah she ends up 
shooting doesn't she end up hitting yara in the leg is this the moment that she hits her in the leg or is this or does the shooting happen is that later on where yara gets shot in the leg that's later on in the pool scene yeah later on yeah she gets shot in the leg later but um she does shoot the the it of yara and you're like oh cool she took her down because she gets hit in like the neck or the head and just, just goes down and you're like awesome nope just gets right back up and keeps coming in and then changes form a couple of different times um until you know jay is able to get the hell out of there and greg doesn't even think this thing exists because greg was away and didn't actually see her get picked up or paul get hit he just kind of stumbles in on there so he still thinks it's kind of bullshit um but jay ends up crashing into a cornfield she gets a broken arm she awakens in the hospital and she's talking with greg and greg's like all right i'll help you out like let's let's have sex and and do this Uh, because he doesn't actually believe this thing exists so they have sex and she thinks all right well maybe am i am i crazy like nothing's happened to him later it's been a couple of days this thing hasn't even caught up to him Mm -hmm. and again this is another good example of the rules that this movie sets up where we're allowed to have these great character beats because the pace at which this thing moves to them, it could take days, it could take hours, it, it, it could take so long for this thing to just walk towards them that they have the amount of time to just be like, okay, what's the next thing that we can do? And so they have sex, they get back to the neighborhood, and uh, it's been like three days and he hasn't seen anything, and it's been way too long, but like she's also... She doesn't really want to talk to him. She's really in a bad place. And all of her friends are kind of rallying to her to be like, we'll have her call you. Like, don't like we're, like because they all knew what she did in order to do that. Um, and like she's just basically in recovery mode at that point. And that's a very harrowing thing to see all of their friends again rally behind her just to kind of live through this moment. And uh, then we get to see uh, it come for Greg. And oh, boy. Man, okay, so that was intense. Yeah, you see you see Greg trying to break into Greg's own house. Yeah. Uh which was that in itself is pretty horrifying when there's the doppelganger situation. Um so, well, so, and that's so, another thing that we can extrapolate like to the other people that it can that is a, that are able to see it. Do they see something different than what the other person sees? That's a good question because, you know, we did say maybe it was the victims of some of them. But then again, it could also be some of the people that it turned into to mess with other people. So it's a very it's like it's like the thing from John Carpenter's The Thing, except uh, just kind of more of a invasion of the body snatchers type it just always looks like a person. It doesn't just turn into a weird creature or uh, amalgamation of something. yeah, then we get to to Greg's demise, which is really messed up because Jay gets into the house and it is Greg's mom just knocking at his bedroom door over and over and over. Greg opens it and his mom is like half naked, which is very creepy. And he's more taken aback by just like, what the hell? And she lunges at him and you finally kind of see what happens when this thing attacks. And it's very sexual and it's very... It's, it's borderline not it's borderline not too violent actually like we can clearly see that it's draining the life from him somehow but it, she's just straddled him in a way that is just like kind of leering and we don't again we don't see a monster here we just no, see a person she, she kind of grinds at him a bit like there you can tell there's like this pelvic grinding which makes it that much grosser as far as realizing that it's looking like his mom to him um, and then it just, yeah, drains the life force out of you completely or crushes you or does whatever in order to get what it needs, um, which is you. And that's, again, we don't get to see what this thing even really wants. All it does is just kill. But it, it, the thing is, is that it can trick people into knowing stuff. So we know it's smart. It, it's not just dumb. They say it can't be reasoned with. It can't be, you know, you can't stop it this is true but i think it knows what it is doing and it knows that by keeping you alive for a certain amount of time it strikes such ridiculous amount of fear in a person i think that for for some people it it almost craves that fear and feeds on it so they right. want but we don't even know that that's its goal like we're not it's not killing things to survive it's not feeding off of fear it's only doing it 
with a slow and steady and tried and true pace. Yeah, which and, makes and that that definitely makes it uh, more terrifying because you don't really know its intents or purposes at all, uh, except to kill. Um, so so then we get we get a little further. This is a weird scene for me because I always am kind of wondering. So she has this cast on her arm. You see her at the beach. She sees three guys in a boat. And you're like, oh, God, don't, don't, don't do it. But she takes off her, her shirt, gets into the water. And then it cuts to her driving back home. And she's crying. You can see her cast is, like, wet, but it's not falling off. So at first I was like, well, maybe she didn't hook up with these people. But, she, you know, she's kind of crying. And you're like, what? What is happening? Like, did she sleep with these people? Did she not sleep with these people? I know that there's been talk about it. And I think people in... I think one of the producers said that she didn't sleep with these guys, which is why she was so upset when she got back. Um, yeah, because well, either way, like she had wanted to do something to at least buy herself some time or find another find another way out. But I guess she also knew that it would eventually still come back for her. But and, then we don't know if she. But, but see, we don't know if she did or not. And the reason that I, I I'm still confused about that is because we don't know how much time passes between. Um, Greg being killed and her having this thing come back after her. So we don't really know how long it's been. She has run away for a little while, so that thing's followed her for a significant amount of time, but if it was at Greg's house, by the time she got back it would have gotten to her pretty soon, so I don't know if this is maybe the next day that it's come after her again, but Paul is like, I'll sleep with you. And she's like, look, no, just no, you don't want to be a part of this. You think you do, but you, you don't really know what this is. I don't think well, you really that believe and the me. fact that she, she is also clearly not really trusting of that friend because she clearly knows that he likes her. Well, they've kissed before and they both liked each other at one point or another. So yeah, there, there are those feelings where he could be trying to take advantage of a situation if he really doesn't believe her in order to sleep with her. And I, I can understand that um, frustration, especially when it comes to girls and guys and that whole thing of friendship. There's always that other intention when it comes to a guy being like, oh, I'll help you out with this. And especially when it's like, I'll help you out by sleeping with you in order to take this curse. Do you really think he believes in it? And Greg proved that. Greg did not believe there was a curse. He was just sleeping with her for himself and to, I guess, make her feel better about this, that there was no curse. And uh, again, this is so messed up metaphorically about this like, really version. Of, and like, I don't want to get into it too much, but man, this is hitting a lot of things on the head about uh, the messed up things that people do to each other, and let alone that these are kids and teens. It's it's messed up. Yeah, uh, it but really, let's get it to really this is. final showdown because I think this is like kind of a doozy. The final showdown's cool. The final showdown's kind of crazy. Uh, I liked where they were going with it, where they're like, we are going to electrocute this thing. We're going to get it to the pool, and we are going to take everything, plug it in, and toss that in the pool and shock the shit out of it. Well, they... Jay gets lure, like is in the pool trying to lure the the creature or the it there and the it is smart the it isn't dumb and we realize how intelligent the creature is when it starts taking these items that are plugged in and throwing it into the pool yeah like very fast and with deadly accuracy with deadly very a very very fast deadly accuracy i mean it hits her a lot so they hit her with a lot of stuff and the, it the current isn't strong enough with that such large body of water to actually do any damage so this thing is just pegging her with the items that they were trying to use to kill it so we now know it will kill people in any way possible it will just kill you. And then with the, the way for Greg, it was more of like a weird kind of sexual thing because it looked like his mom, maybe to induce more fear. But then we have the girl who had the leg broken, so we know that it does different stuff in order to kill people. This, it probably would have been cool if it split her head open with a toaster and called it a day. Um, but it keeps trying to attack her. And she has to point out where this thing is as she's trying to dodge these things coming at her as she's been hit multiple times in the head with with uh toasters and and other uh items you know hair dryers and all that um so 
it's a very intense moment because now Paul has a gun and Paul is throwing, <laughs> is, is trying to shoot at this target where she's like, no turn here, no turn here, no turn here. And he ends up shooting Yara in the leg. That's where she gets shot in the leg and she right. goes down because like, holy it, shit. None of these kids are a crack shot and when you're no, trying to shoot definitely something invisible, not. like it's the fact that they know that this thing is invisible and they could have taken a few more steps to actually find a way to mark this thing rather than at the last minute putting a blanket over it and then just pointing a gun to its head. I loved that uh, though. I loved the ingenuity of saying, you know, they didn't think about it before, but in the moment they do. So having that moment where I think it was Kelly, so it's her it's her sister, she ends up throwing this blanket over the creature, which is I guess taken on the appearance of Jay and Kelly's dad. Yeah, so, and we only see that well after this scene happens that it's it's really traumatic because like because she, she's like, what does it look like? What do you see? And she's like, I don't even want to tell you what what I see. Yeah, uh, and because you have to, you have to, and this is why it takes repeat viewings because you realize you've seen the father in the photo twice. I think in the movie, it really is all you end up seeing him. So then when you see that, you're like, holy crap. And you wonder, all right, did he die or was he abusive? Because it almost seems like he was more abusive than anything, especially and with... And that's the, that's the thing. Like, you think about, okay, well, what other rules can we put on this thing? Why does it know the shape of its of her dad? What does what would that imply? Why would he... Like, did he have it? Did he do something? Is he like... Well, a, I don't, I don't think insane. there's... I, I don't think there was that as much as, you know, when you sleep with someone, it the the thing or whatever it is kind of in a weird osmosis type way absorbs all of your your memories and your fears and everything that it can then prey on uh which which is very very interesting and that's why this movie has so many layers to it and upon an initial viewing you could write this off as just being some weird thriller or you know i could see people doing that but there's so many layers to it and i implore you if, if you have seen this movie and did not like it please rewatch it um with with an open mind and really try to see how many like small touches that were were placed into this to really turn it from a even a great film into what i consider to be a masterpiece uh, a masterclass of filmmaking and i've said that about very few films but this is definitely one of them um so so yeah we've gotten to the point where she has they've they've put the the thing over the the dad's head the it creature and now paul's like oh okay cool i can see it and shoots it in the head and it falls into the pool but then it, it grabs you think it's dead well you don't really but you're like oh i hope it, i hope it's dead uh and it grabs jay pulls her underwater and you see in this really amazing shot i really love the way it looked when he fires the bullet and it hits him in the head yeah and like just straight like arrows shot right into him like in a very like kind of it's almost looks like a music video uh, it did yeah it's it so really like did. artfully done uh it's very very beautiful to see and then uh when she's pulled out of the water like she's like can you see it now is it dead and you're slowly anticipating it to just still be alive but like it's just an oozing outward pile of blood inside of the pool that gets just bigger and bigger as the as the music just keeps tensioning and tensioning and tensioning up, like it's just that wind and hum that like you've been hearing this entire movie that's, you, you don't know if it's dead or if it's angrier. The, the music, I think that we haven't even really touched on that much though, I think we need to. Uh, amazing setting of tone for all of this because basically the movie without ha doing that jump scare thing of just going like bang, like when things are scary, it very much is telling you how to feel tension-wise and putting you in the driver's seat of the main character's emotions with how terrified it is. Uh, absolutely wonderful. I think probably the best technical thing about this movie is its soundtrack. Uh, absolutely stellar. So we see this blood oozing out from the pool and we can assume that it's over and then we are yet again in the hospital well before uh, we before we even get to the hot the you know back to what happens you know at, towards the end when she is crawling back up to the pool and this is why i'm really glad it did the pool filling up with blood situation i would have hated it and it would have ruined i think the entire movie is if she had crawled up to the pool it grabbed her yanked her into the pool end of movie and I could have seen a lesser film easily doing that. If this had been, oh, dude, if this had been, 
not an indie film and more of a Hollywood production, I could have seen them just saying, and that's how we're going to end it. And people just be like, what are you? why there's no real resolution but it, it's a shock and it leaves people kind of like what the hell but uh david robert mitchell much smarter than that and i really like i love this ending um it, it's it's just very it leaves everything open for interpretation so so jay and paul finally have sex they've gotten together which you know in a normal film the guy likes girl girl likes guy but they've you know had issues with each other especially since paul hooked up with another girl afterwards that she knew about there you get that little backstory so you know that they really did like each other so when they end up having sex you're like great they got together and then you see Paul driving past a bunch of sex workers, and you're like, "Holy shit! Is he is he think that the thing's not dead, and he's trying to pass it yeah, on?" Yeah, there's so, again so many like just brief implications of of what might happen or what you think they're thinking of. It's it, there's a lot of nuance to this that like you kind of have to unpack a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And then the best one of the great. It's it's an amazing shot, and it's just such a such a such a great moment for this movie is Jay and Paul are now walking down the street. They're holding hands. Everything seems great. You can still feel that there's this tension, though. And as they're walking, you see someone following them. Just a figure, but you don't see exactly who it is, but just walking, 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 and a film. Cut the credits. Great. Brilliant. Uh, so it's, again, uh, not even to discredit the ending because this ending is very much a cliffhanger and it's very left to ambiguity as to whether or not that was actually true and you desperately want to know, but this movie totally earned that ending because with all of the, uh, again, artistic uh, like metaphors and all of those things going on, uh, without being sure what this thing really is, you will never really know for sure if you've killed it. And always wanting to think that there's somebody over your shoulder or anybody that's walking a little funny, you want to ask if someone else sees it. Uh, it's tr The movie's trained the audience to do that. And yeah, and, and I, I, think, I think, like, with this ending, as you're saying, like, I... I love this ending mainly for the fact that you have these two characters who have finally gotten together, but they're fully in this together now. They can both see this thing. They are not trying to run away from the other one to let them deal with it on their own. They're going to deal with this head on together. And I think like that that shows almost in a way that they're they're going to fight back against this thing even if it's still out there they're going to continue to fight it and i i really like that that's it, it's it's still kind of a dark ending where you're like is this or thing still following them. them but but there's hope in a weird way it could or it like or they've been lured into a false sense of security and then they've let their guard down now and it can get them like you don't know it implies so much and i think it's uh it's a brilliant ending that is totally earned yeah, uh, absolutely. And in no ways disappointing. And I, I can see how people can be upset by it where they're like, well, what do we know? Like, but I, oh, that's such a, just a good, like, ah, like leave them hanging on that. Like, that's great. Uh, I absolutely loved, uh, for the most part of this movie, I think if we were to ever talk flaws, I think all character work is a little thin. This movie is very much about, uh, just exercises in tension and not even exercises in plot because it's just, okay, it catches up to you. What are you going to do? Okay, it caught up to you. What are you going to do? Um, when you think about it like uh, at, a, at a base level, but it's so hard not to think about this just at a base level where uh, it, you there's so many things going on that if you think about it for even more than a minute, uh, it, it means so much just watching a movie like this and it's simplicity done well now there's also been the case that people have said well what if you get on what if you get on a boat or what if you take a plane somewhere or what if you like you go out to space doesn't matter man this thing is going to find you and it will follow you it could take forever but it will figure out a way to catch up with you um 
it and also, goes. I'm glad they didn't explore that because of like who they are. Like clearly, they're not exactly rich, and they're not like, oh, I'm going on a train on a like a trip to London later, and like, right. I'll go like to the like I'll take it, and you, like it, it will find a way. And you know what, man, it will hit your ride with something. That that's kind of that, how I see it. It, it will either the, walk. It, it'll either walk to where it needs to, or if you're going someplace where like I'm on a plane, great. It's gonna end up figuring out a way to get on that plane at the same time you are how doesn't matter it's going to follow you man you're not safe ever and that's that's what makes this film really awesome i know there's arguments about it but this has been said by david robin david robert mitchell himself has said like look man this thing will always catch you you cannot escape right and i think i think that's the like that's the effectiveness of this movie where people just keep asking questions about the logic of it where the logic is just that simple it will find you it follows you that's it uh, and it's as simple as that. It's effective as that. And I honest, like this is obviously a wholehearted recommend, top to bottom. Uh, I think anybody that uh, is looking uh, either too close or far enough away might have a problem with it. But I feel like if you uh, take it for all of the things that it could possibly mean, it it's, it has so much to offer. Uh, again, could not could not recommend enough. Yeah, um, great movie. If you if you haven't seen it, see it anyway because it's it's amazing. And if you've seen it, watch it again because it's that it's that good. Um, let us know what you think about this film. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments, how you felt about it, and and, and anything that we missed uh, that you would like to like to point out. Please contact us on that. Uh, so next week, Steve, what are we going to be taking a taking a look at? Uh, well. Actually, what are we looking at? I don't even know. I know what we're looking at. We are looking at 2014's The Town, The Dreaded Sundown. Ah, yes, we are. A lovely movie. Quite a fun thing. Quite an interesting one uh, that I uh, I think will be a doozy. A fun movie that no one knows about. Because every time I talk, to try and talk to people about this movie, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And the ones who kind of get what I'm saying, are like, oh, you mean the one from the 70s? And I'm like, no, not exactly. And it is not a remake. Kind of, sort of. Anyway, we will talk about that one next week. Um, very exciting. Go watch that. It is from 2014. It is awesome. Uh, with that, you know, you can uh, you can find us on on things like Instagram and the Facebooks at oh, the yes, Horror Cast. Yes, indeed. Feel free you to can, contact can, us at ohthehorrorcast at gmail.com if you want to get your letters and suggestions in. We would love to hear from you about what we would like to see next. And uh, you can also always find us on anywhere you can find podcasts at all. Feel free to review us. It always helps us and other people find the show as well. We would definitely appreciate that. Uh, but then we will see you guys next time. I am Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.